0: Love talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It is Monday, September 18th, and it's actually 4 p.m. Central Time. We are late today. I had to bring my dad in for a procedure, so our guests today were very flexible and kind to rescheduled today's call. So that's why we're a little later in the afternoon than usual. I hope everybody is okay and that you had some time for rest and relaxation this weekend. Just a couple quick updates for you. We have kicked off the voting for our caregiving innovation contest. So we have eight entries. You vote for one. And then the top three the three that have the most votes receive a table at our National Caregiving Conference. And then we vote for our favorite of those three at the conference. And then the winner receives 250 bucks, a chance to be on my podcast, and a nice little blurb about their, their idea, their product, their service on caregiving.com. So to vote, just go to caregiving.com. And just look for the headline that says, Vote for Your Favorite Caregiving Innovation. So, again, voting has opened for our contest for us to pick the top three favorite caregiving innovations. Those winners will receive a table at the National Caregiving Conference, and then we vote for our favorite from those three. Voting ends on Friday at midnight Eastern Time. It's easy to vote. You just watch the videos that the entries have have created, and then you vote at the bottom in our poll, you get one vote, one vote. And we picked our caregiving art show winner. I announced that yesterday. So Laura, who cares for her dad, won for her stained glass piece called Hummingbird. Our caregiving art show is still up for you to enjoy. Because the, the artwork this year was so compelling. It was beautiful, it was poignant, it was in the moment during caregiving. And thank you again so much to the artists who have submitted an entry into the art show. As I've mentioned in the past, the art show is a way for us to raise money for our caregifters program. And through our caregifters program, we send $500 to a family caregiver in need. And Kat, who blogs on caregiving.com about caring for her mom, was our last Caregifters recipient, and I was able to send her $500 on the spot. She was in a dire, desperate situation, and I was able to reach out to her, say, hey, I can help. She said, great. I sent her $500 through PayPal immediately after that. So within an hour, I was able to get the money to her. So thank you for supporting the Caregifters program. It really does make a difference. And one other thing, so we've got a couple surveys that are going on right now. So it's our time for our annual family caregiver survey. So if you're in a caregiving situation, please take, gosh, it's probably about 20 minutes to complete our survey. We ask what caregiving is like for you. We have a series of multiple choice questions and then we have write-in questions where we ask for you to share your experiences, your thoughts, and your insights. And I started doing this survey 21 years ago and I skipped one year, and that was last year. I was so inundated with trying to get our first conference going that I, I just couldn't do the, the annual survey. So we're back and organized. So it's so helpful to hear your experience. And I use the results of our survey to help create content, whether if it's a blog or a blog series or a webinar or a podcast series. Our sessions at our conference, I've used your insights from that survey for, for instance, our loneliness sessions that we're going to focus on at our conference this year. So when you share your experiences, it does make a difference because it helps me create content that's truly invaluable for you and speaks to what it's like for you. So that's our annual family caregiver survey. It's open. That one is pretty long, so it does take about 20 minutes. Just want to give you that heads up. And then the other survey that I started two years ago is the survey that just asks you to tell us what's your stress level right now and what's the source of your stress. So in early 2015, I really started to look at caregiving stress in a new light. And I I looked at it as the overlooked epidemic in our communities. And then I spent 2015 trying to get the Centers for Disease Control to track family caregiver stress and its source. And gosh, no matter how many tweets and emails, oh, I didn't get very far. So then I thought, well, I'm going to do it. So that's what this simple stress survey does. just asks you to say, what's your stress level right now? What's the source of your stress? And the reason that I'm really starting to focus again about Family caregiver stress, I had to take a little break because I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere, but there were two stories last week in the news that really made me realize how important it is that we really talk about family caregiver stress as the overlooked epidemic. So there was a family caregiver in Buffalo. This is just a horrific story, and I almost feel funny even talking about it, but the reality is he was caring for his wife, caring for his son, and wanted to end his wife's suffering, so he hit her over the head with a hammer, and she was in a rehab facility at the time. I think that speaks to a completely overwrought, stressed-out family caregiver. And then in the Philadelphia area, a pharmacist tried to end her mom's suffering with injections of insulin. We have incredibly stressed out individuals in our communities who don't have the break, the help, the support that they need. It's imperative and critical that we do something to help family caregivers. So if you can take that stress survey, that would be great. Tell us about your stress during this week's five-day stress share. On a regular basis, we take five days out of every month. Each day we talk about our daily stress. Please take a moment to tell us today what's stressing you out and then sign our petition it's the petition that i started in 2015 to get the cdc to track family caregiver stress and its source if family caregiver stress is an epidemic the cdc needs to start taking steps to eradicate it to fix it to kill it let's not use hammers and insulin injections you know let's get support let's get financial resources to help family caregivers let's Let's change the experience. Okay, so those are the updates for you. So joining me this afternoon are two of our co-presenters that are going to be at our National Caregiving Conference, which is November 10th and 11th in Chicago. So joining me today are Deb Kelsey Davis. Hi, Deb. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you with us. And Colleen Cavanaugh, hi, Colleen. Hi, there. And Deb and Colleen are going to give us a presentation called Think About It and Change Everything with Grit, Grace, and Gratitude on Friday, November 10th at our conference in Chicago. And it sounds just fantastic. And I'm anxious to hear more, Deb and Colleen, but I think I want to start first, Deb, with how did you
1: and Colleen connect well, actually, it was at the Caregiving Conference last year. Yes. and that's, yes. <laughs> that's,
2: that's one of the things that
1: to all of your listeners to know, not only do you go and get some incredible information, but you can make not only lasting friendships, but you can meet people that change your life. And so that conference brought Colleen and I together. We started sharing and telling stories, and the more we spoke, the more we realized we have so much in common. We share a philosophy that you know we're going to share with everyone. Now this year at this year's conference.
0: Okay, that's awesome. So you connected last year at the first annual National Caregiving Conference, and then Colleen, when did you realize that you and Deb had a presentation for this year's conference?
2: Not until after we left the conference and arranged for a conference call to you know just follow up and. Continue the conversation, and when things were a little bit more quiet, uh, some other things came to the surface, and we realized we did have some things in common that were very interesting and unique, and it just was this organic explosion of ideas, and we were like an idea factory together, and we said we've got to do something with this because when you get that kind of chemistry with somebody, you can't just let that disappear,
1: so very early
2: on. I would say, you know, right after the conference. But at the conference, I, could, I wouldn't have told you, oh, this is going to turn into something miraculous. It was a great introduction. I felt, a, you know, a great connection to Deb, but you just never know what's going to happen with the people that you meet at your conference.
0: Okay, that's awesome. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the presentation. So Deb, tell us what will gain as attendees in your session.
1: Sure. So with caregiving, we know that, you know, there is a lot that we're juggling. There's a lot of demands upon us as caregivers, right? And we're all at the same time seeking to find more more of those moments of joy in, in meaning in our lives. And what, what people are going to get out of this session is to realize that it's not something that you need to go out and purchase for yourself or something you need to necessarily um, go and get that you don't already have, but rather we're going to focus in on the things that Colleen and I both discovered as we spoke about this further and further, that there are things that sit inside of you that make you resilient And it's about uncovering those things, which is the grit, grace, and gratitude. So we're going to actually work through some exercises and really help people to dig deep to see where those points of of perhaps missing those items or thinking you're missing those items are and helping to excavate them and finding a path to get back to those things that you already
2: have.
0: So where do they go during caregiving, Colleen? Why do we lose them?
2: Oh, we i I I'm well, that's a great question <laughs> There's so many things I want to say. I think one of the biggest is the sense of guilt that we feel of doing something for ourselves because our carry is the often the only thing we are thinking of, and we aren't able to turn that off and go to a movie and do the things that we would normally find enjoyable because we're just too exhausted to get ourselves there. So Deb and I looked and we said, you know, what could we have done when we're actively caregiving to have allowed those things to remain in our lives in some form or other? Because our lives don't stop when we're caregiving, but it's very easy to get lost in caregiving.
0: Yeah, can you think of a time, Deb, when you felt lost in caregiving, and and wondering if you could be found again?
1: I'm I'm smiling if you can't see that, but yes, <laughs> um, many many times because you know as, as Colleen is, was just sharing, um, I, I actually began to feel isolated, which. You know, I'm not sure how many of the folks who are out there listening have encountered that, but when, you know, I was caring for my mother-in-law, it was her and me day in and day out, and though we would have people come in and come out at various points, like my husband and children, it was primarily me for the majority of the day, and I felt very isolated, and in isolation, I found that it was starting to cause me to feel depressed, and so... In, that, in those moments of just feeling lost, um, I really couldn't until she and I started to try and connect it on, in different levels in different ways, really see that there was a way back. Um, and honestly, I'll be very forthright here. It really wasn't until after the caregiving ended that I began to see and recognize all the things that I couldn't see at that time that I was able to see, you know, sadly after she passed and and they became more and more apparent, all the changes that had occurred within me. And that's when I could see that I could actually find myself again.
0: Yeah. You know, isolation is such a huge issue. I was at a conference last month and at the end of, of the conference, which was a bunch of researchers, I'm gonna speak in such a judgmental tone, and I can't help it because it was a bunch of researchers who were completely out of touch with the caregiving experience. During one of the last sessions, one of the researchers said, family caregivers aren't I- isolated. And honestly, there was an audible gasp in the room because he was so off target. You are isolated. And the irony of it is, you are isolated within a community. And there's people all around you, even when you go out, you feel isolated because you, you're surrounded by these emotions, and the emotions become this fog, and it's hard to see through the fog. So Colleen,
1: That's when true. we think
0: about yeah, when we think about the fog of caregiving, when do you think the fog was densest for you during caregiving?
2: As I descended into the uh, the abyss of isolation and teetered around depression, like Deb mentioned, Um, the stress gets so great. Uh, For me, I was one of those hero caregivers for a while that thought I could do this all on my own. And not until some people looked and said, you've got it. This has to change. You have to get reinforcements in here. And not until that point was I able to start pulling up and out of that and realizing, wow, I went to kind of a scary place there. I don't ever want to go back there. Getting this help feels good. I need to keep doing more of this. So why do we, why do we
0: take on that hero role, Colleen? Why do we want to be the
2: hero, do you think? I don't know. I think some of it is it's a slow build sometimes when we're caregiving. For me, it's, it was my parents when they were older, and I, my mom died. And then it was, oh, well, I'm going to have to do some things for my dad. And then it turned into managing his medications and taking him to the doctors. And it's, it's a slow build up and it's you don't realize the subtle changes and so your tolerance builds up. And you're like, okay, I'm just adding another thing on, another thing on, and suddenly the pack that's on your back is so overwhelming that it's literally breaking your back. So when when
0: you were told, "Oh gosh, you know, you you've got to get some help." How did you not take that personally? Because that's one of the things that I think, "Oh my gosh, I would take that personally." I would say, "You don't understand." And I'm doing the best I can. How did you not hmm. just want to scream and say you don't get it?
2: I, I kind of did, and it took. I should have clarified and said it was not the first conversation a few of these people had with me to get me to realize I have to start changing the way I'm doing things. So it was multiple conversations, and finally realizing. And you know, people put the idea out there of, you know, you're not like you used to be, and this can't feel too good, and you start to notice and you're a little bit more aware because, you know, until you have your attention drawn to something, to what isn't working, you can make do with whatever the situation is. But when you lift your head up and look and say, oh, wait, this isn't how I intended things to be at all. It's I've got to change. That's when the change can begin. Yeah, was there a moment like that for you,
0: Deb, where it just felt like you were being swallowed? And someone was able to say, hey, I think it could be better for you with some help.
1: So I wish I could say that was true, but it is not. And I say that because I believe that a lot of people mean well. I mean, I did have people call me wanting to know how I was doing, but Honestly, until and unless you've ever walked in the shoes of a caregiver, so many people do not understand what happens and what happens to the person who's providing that care and compassion day in and day out. I really don't think my friends realized um, what it was doing to me. And, of course, when you, you, you talked earlier about being a hero, I'm probably the queen of superheroes, so I was putting on the happy face because, again, that's part of how I was raised, to be the strong one, the eldest daughter. And I think there's that part of a caregiver, or maybe some like me, perhaps, who don't get help because they don't let others know they need help. Um, <sighs> and fake as At-
2: will. <laughs> Deb, I have to interrupt you on this one. I totally forgot the whole first born daughter being trained into this role that's another reason why even for me I had the slow build up but I also had that conditioning of I'm the caretaker this is what I'm supposed to do and nobody else in the family was there in that role to step up and, and take over so that's, a, that's another whole cultural thing that we could talk for days about
0: so I'll just yeah. give you a heads up on, on that I have an older sister the oldest she's a girl and she won't have anything to do with caregiving. She lives five minutes from my folks, won't visit them, call them, see them, help. But she's also, <laughs> she's also obviously has some other things going on. But anyway, just wanted to throw that one out for you guys. It just feels like, um, you know, the dynamics and the relationships and the circumstances within caregiving are so much bigger than just you know, one person. It's bigger than just us. We are not only navigating a disease process, multiple disease processes, but we're also navigating these relationships and the relationships with our carees plus the relationship our carees have with our siblings. And if we're married with the spouses and then our relationships that are affected by caregiving, maybe we don't spend as much time in those relationships. I mean, oh, it is just so complicated, and you're in a situation where you're watching someone, oftentimes, suffer. And it's what you witness too, that can really start to weigh on you, and you can feel so helpless because you can't change the experience for your caree, which can help, under, help explain why you feel like you can't change it for yourself then either because you just feel like there are no solutions, there is no resource, there is no medication that's going to change this. So, Deb, how do we stay hopeful during caregiving, given all that we're navigating?
1: And that is a brilliant statement that you just made just a little bit ago to tee up to this, Denise, because so many people, and myself included, have felt that, There is nothing you can do. You lose your hope when you're looking at at the person that you're caring for and you don't think you can do anything for them or yourself. And that's what Colleen and I talked about, and that's why the Great Grace and Gratitude piece, because I would say it was towards the end of caring for my mother-in-law, but because I I gave up of sorts and, and surrendered, there were little blessings and little graces that came dribbling in, and, and through those lessons and and looking at those things, I was able to see that there were there were really little pieces of things I could be grateful for, um, like, for example, I had known my mother-in-law for many many years, and the last six months of her life, because of the relationship that we developed, it was I, I knew her better in that six months than I'd known her in the previous decades. Um, And that is a blessing. And so I think one of the things that we, Colleen and I, are doing is is really helping people to start becoming more aware on a daily basis um, of opening the lens to see through the fog, to start recognizing some of those small things and maybe some big things that are truly blessings that are going on that we would not otherwise see. What
0: would you add, Colleen, about keeping hope?
2: I will continue off of what Deb is talking about. I think part of what we are trying to illustrate is that when you can ground yourself in your purpose of why it is that you are doing this and shifting your perspective toward the things that are good, even if it's finding something good in what looks like the worst situation because there's always something there, no matter how tiny it might be. And those two things, that purpose and that good, help to calibrate your grit, which give you that stamina to keep going. And it creates a a circle almost of just a continuing on of generating energy for yourself. Spiritually, yeah, because it's what we
0: need, right? It's the energy that we feel like, oh, I don't have, I just don't have the energy, and yet we don't have time to find the energy, or so we think, right? We just think, oh, I just got to keep going, I just got to keep going, and so much of that that
2: energy is mental. Yes, exactly.
0: Yes, right. We're thinking, thinking, thinking. And we're fighting these thoughts that can do us in, but we can't find a better thought to replace it. <laughs> and so it's that circle, right, that you were talking about. We just keep mm-hmm. chasing our tail. Mm-hmm. So, Deb, what energizes you now?
1: What energizes me now is being able to do something about a situation that I, I didn't see my way out of when I was actually in the midst and throes of caregiving, um, and, and helping others through what I've learned and through what I believe Colleen and I share a lot in, around, a lot in common around those uh, learnings. But I, I wanted to back up to one thing that you mentioned, Denise, which is um, sort of this whole circle and the spiritual component of it um, and hope. The, the thing that energizes me today is that, you know, understanding that there's a greater energy out there than just me, that, that all of the burden doesn't rest upon my shoulders. And that's another piece of what we cover, you know, in our program, just understanding that resilience, it comes from within, but that, but that you're not alone and there are other things that you can draw upon. And the spiritual is, is one aspect of that. So, Colleen, give
0: us a taste of what it's going to be like in your session. Give us kind of like a teaser of, of what, we're, what we'll do and what we'll experience.
2: It's going to be a warm, cozy environment where we're going to not just listen and be spoken to. like You can do it at a lot of um, events where you go to and there's somebody teaching something. It's going to be completely interactive, and we're going to – take a deep dive and unearth that authentic part of ourselves that might be buried. And we're going to introduce some tools and exercises that are not going to be boring. We're going to encourage a lot of laughing um, with one another. And we're going to excavate, as Deb says, that knowledge from within ourselves and walk, In with something, but we are not going to walk back out with it because we are going to transform the way something in our lives that isn't really working for us, and we're going to turn it into something that looks very different than what it did at the beginning of the session.
0: Love it. Love it. There's nothing like being able to offer individuals who are in stressful situations a transformative experience and that sounds like what's going to happen at your session during our National Caregiving Conference. So Deb, why would you encourage our listeners to either watch our conference virtually or attend in person in Chicago?
1: So, there, there's many reasons and let me just start with a couple that are just top of mind. First of all, I wish that there would have been something like this conference available when I was caregiving because from what I heard last year at the conference to what I know I'm going to hear this year at the conference is, first of all, important tips and, and ways to look at the caregiving experience differently but really more so to understand that you're not alone. There is so much power in what I experienced last year um, finding so many people who had so many common frustrations, joys, you know, people on the journey in different places, but all whom I shared some kind of an experience with. There's just something about being able to gather that kind of energy from others that that made me feel better and to know that there's a group of people out there that really care about me, which I think this conference represents as well, as caregivers, you're being recognized. We're being recognized, and that's something fairly new, and it's something really very important that I think the conference messages very clearly. So I'll
0: just close with Deb for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you. What's your
1: website address? Sure, it's uh, wwws 2
0: Care, C-A-R-E. And Colleen, what's your website address?
2: TheLongestDance.com.
0: Okay, and you can connect with Colleen and Deb at our National Caregiving Conference. They are co-presenting a session called Think About It and Change Everything with Grit, Grace, and Gratitude. Deb and Colleen, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having us, Denise. Thanks for having us, Denise. It's been awesome.
0: And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.